My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Carrie Glines Elliott. Carrie Glines Elliott has lived in Ottawa for about 20 years, and in her day job she works as a researcher for the Federal Department of Justice. Over that time, she's been involved in a range of progressive causes, including education, cycling, and the environment, and she is also an avid transit user. When she and her husband first moved to the city, they were really impressed with the quality of the OC Transpo bus network and found it to be a great way to get wherever they needed to go. In the last 10 years, however, transit in Ottawa has been steadily declining. This was showing up, for example, through increasing unreliability, buses running late, buses just not showing up, and so on. Then things came to a head a couple of years ago when OC Transpo implemented a major reorganization, about a year ahead of a light rail transit or LRT route being incorporated into the system. Routes changed in ways that made it trickier to get around the city, in key cases buses were scheduled to come quite a bit less frequently, and the reliability issues got even worse. Glines Elliott hypothesizes that underfunding and understaffing are key contributors. Moreover, she says that they seem to have, quote, cannibalized the bus routes in order to pay for the LRT, end quote. In response, a group of people who mostly did not know each other beforehand came together initially via social media. They organized a series of public forums in different neighborhoods to hear from people about their concerns with transit. Lots of people talked about the reliability and scheduling issues, and lots talked about accessibility concerns, both with the regular bus system and with Ottawa's paratransit system, called Paratranspo. When they had a formal founding meeting for the Ottawa Transit Riders in April 2019, over a hundred people turned up. In September 2019, the LRT became operational and things got even worse. The transit system redesign had put the LRT at the center, and almost any trip of any distance involves transferring from bus to train and perhaps back to another bus. Which might work in principle, because the train itself is, Glines Elliott says, pretty great when it's working. Unfortunately, it has been incredibly fragile, and it breaks down all the time. There are delays and stoppages, people can't get where they're going or they get there late. It's not clear why this is happening. Lots of cities have LRT systems that work just fine, but it is a major problem. In their work, the Ottawa Transit Riders have not actually been focused on the LRT fiasco. It needs to be fixed, for sure, but they're pushing for a whole system approach to improving transit. That means not only making sure that the trains run reliably, but dramatically improving bus service as well. And in particular, disability advocates among their active membership and beyond have expressed concern that the public focus on the LRT means that accessibility issues are receiving even less attention than usual. The core goals of the Ottawa Transit Riders are to win improvements in the affordability, accessibility, and reliability of the system, as well as in OC Transpo's communication with riders. They've developed a website and a social media presence, they've run a variety of campaigns, they've had delegations at every Ottawa Transit Commission meeting since their founding, and have regularly met with and put pressure on politicians and officials. Though there is a long way to go, they've won some small victories around accessibility, and they successfully fended off a proposed fare increase that was supposed to go into effect at the beginning of the year. 
The group also holds public events. They've organized a transit challenge to try to get city politicians to take public transit for a week. They're developing a writer-driven app and database to keep tabs on problems with the system. They're also very keen to develop relationships with the drivers and their union. And they're in talks about launching a lawsuit over the barriers that disabled people are facing when it comes to transit in Ottawa. I speak with Glynes Elliott about Ottawa's transit system, about the city's troubled LRT, and about the Ottawa Transit Riders' work for more affordable, accessible, and reliable public transit. My name is Carrie Glynes Elliott. I've been living in Ottawa for about 20 years, and I've been pretty active in progressive issues, a lot of pro-cycling, a lot of pro-transit issues. I've been active in my children's school and things like that. And last year, when OC Transpo was preparing for the launch of the LRT, the light rail transit system, they drastically slashed bus service all over the city, and it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. I was complaining with a lot of other people about somebody needed to do something about the terrible transit in Ottawa, and we decided to start a group. The group is called Ottawa Transit Riders. We started in 2018. We had a formal meeting in April of 2019 where we had a little over 100 people come to City Hall, and we had elections, and we got a board, and we got going. So right now, transit is a top issue in Ottawa. It's a mess right now. And we're actively trying to look for solutions and things like that. I'm a public servant. I worked for a long time at the Refugee Board as a researcher. I'm now at the Department of Justice. I'm from Vancouver. When I was at university, the Berlin Wall came down and I sat at university and thought, what am I doing twiddling my thumbs, learning how to conjugate German verbs when the world is changing? And so I hopped on an airplane and I went to Europe and I spent two and a half years bumping around Europe, mostly Eastern Europe, taught English, which meant that I really, really talked to locals and I really learned a lot. When I came back to university, I had a bunch of questions to ask. I wanted to know why were the economies different in different countries? So I actually came back and I went to University at McMaster University in Hamilton. And I studied economics with an eye to sort of development economics and talking about making sort of a progressive argument. Because when you're talking about environmental issues or progressive issues, the people on the other side will say, oh, you know, those are good ideas, but economically they won't work. So I studied economics with an idea that I could speak that language and use the things that I learned in economics to make an argument for progressive values. So we came to Ottawa, as I said, about 20 years ago, my husband and I, and immediately got involved in mostly school-related things, because I had small children at the time, but also environmental issues. I think for lots of us in the rest of the country, Ottawa kind of functions as a, a, a national symbol, but we don't often think of it as an actual city where actual people live. So what's it like as a city? How do transit and transportation in particular work there? I mean, obviously, I'm not from Ottawa. We came here looking for work opportunities, and we really quite like it. It's a small, very compact city. It's bilingual. I love the fact that my children are growing up bilingual. My husband is American, and as I said, I'm from Vancouver, so although we've both learned French as adults, I love the fact that I can give my children the opportunity to grow up with French. It's a very snowy city. There's a lot of terrible weather in Ottawa. I often joke that nobody lives here because of the weather. We all live here in spite of it. It's a very quiet, staid, soft, sea conservative town in that a lot of us are government employees and a lot of us work in very stable jobs. And so there's not a lot of rabble-rousing and there's not a lot of protests and there's not a lot of appetite for stirring things up. It's a very quiet little town. 
in terms of transit, we used to have an excellent transit system. When I first moved here, I was just blown away by the quality of the transit. You could get anywhere in the city really easily. We lived for a long time on a milk run bus route, and you could set your watch by that bus. It came all the time. I can't remember ever missing that bus. I can't remember the bus never showing up. It just was very, very reliable. And that was just a milk run bus. So the design in Ottawa was that we used to have what we call the transit way. It was an east-west highway that only buses ran on. And so the way the system worked was very hub and spoke. Wherever you were in the city, if you could get yourself to a transit way station, and then you would jump on a bus, pretty much any bus, and the bus would zoom you downtown or zoom you east-west, and the transit way extended quite far. It did sort of run out of capacity. As the city has grown, it started getting to the point where you almost had bumper-to-bumper bus traffic. So that's why there was the decision to switch to a light rail transit system, the LRT. The LRT opened in September. It was a little over a year late, according to plans. And well, it's been a bit of a disaster, I'm sorry to say. I'm very, very pro-LRT and I'm very, very pro-transit, but it's been poorly handled. Talk more about the precipitating circumstances that led to the founding of the Ottawa Transit Riders. Transit in the city has been declining for the last decade or so. As well, I often say they cannibalized the bus routes in order to pay for the LRT. So we've noticed an increase in unreliability. We think that they're probably a little bit understaffed. They maybe don't have enough drivers. They maybe haven't staffed up their mechanics well enough, so they don't necessarily have enough buses on the routes. So it's been a very slow, steady decline. But what they did in anticipation of the LRT was they reinforced this hub and spoke network. The LRT is only 13 stops and it runs east-west in Ottawa. So anyone coming from the east is now going to be directed on a bus to the last stop of the LRT, which is Blair Station. Anyone coming from the west, and that's almost half of our population, if they want to get into the city, is being directed to the westernmost LRT stop, the Penny Pasture. And what it's done is it's really highlighted any fragilities or any weaknesses in the system. So previously, if you talk about a bus network and it goes north, south, east, west, and some buses are milk run buses and some buses are fast buses, if you knew the city and you knew the transit system, you could get pretty much anywhere in the city. And what they did was they reorganized the bus routes so that pretty much all buses now go to a train station, a transitway station, and you have to get on the train. So people who would have taken one or two buses are now almost always going to take one more bus and then a train. And if the train worked really well, that might work, but the train is really fragile. So every time the train breaks down, the whole system comes to a crashing halt. And there aren't very many alternatives. So whereas people before in the far eastern part of the city, Orleans, might have been able to get a bus right into downtown, now they have to stop at Blair and then they have to transfer to a train. So the changes that they made almost a year before the LRT is they cut a lot of buses on routes that people were expecting. I live in Vanier, which is a very old, traditional Francophone neighborhood, which is quite close to downtown. If you had to, you could walk to downtown. And what they did was they cut my bus, which took me to work. I work right smack downtown. I work opposite the Supreme Court, downtown Ottawa, and they made it impossible for me to get on one bus from Vanier to work. I had to take two buses. And that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. People credit to Twitter because we were constantly complaining about the same things. Everybody was ranting and raving about, oh my goodness, my bus is late. Oh my goodness, my bus didn't show up. I waited 40 minutes for a bus. Somebody should do something. And I finally sort of started to reach out to some of the people I was talking to on Twitter. I didn't know them personally. And we started going to meetings and saying, well, if we're going to do something, how do we do this? 
we started with forums where we had forums in different neighborhoods. We put up signs around the neighborhood and we said, do you want to talk about transit? And people came and they told us their stories and they told us about their frustrations and they told us what they wanted to change. A lot of people had different ideas. I'm an able-bodied person, so I knew accessibility, for example, was going to be one of the issues. And I would say anywhere from a third to a half of the people who came to our forum were people who use mobility devices. And they said accessibility has to be first on your list of issues because it's a real problem right now. So that opened our eyes to specific issues maybe we hadn't taken all that seriously. We had a huge amount of support from an organization called the Healthy Transportation Coalition, which is kind of an umbrella group of NGOs. They deal a lot with active transportation, pro-cycling, environmental issues, affordable housing. They're kind of a networking group where they connect people to other groups and say, hey, you should talk to these people. They're already talking about this. So they were very supportive. They hosted our first website, for example, before we really had any money. And they've been just a fabulous support for us. So as I said, we got going with what are the issues. We did, in fact, talk to OC Transpo. We had a meeting with them and said, we're starting this group. You need to know that there are certain things that are a problem in the city of Ottawa. And they were polite to us, but not terribly worried. I think they looked at a pair of middle-aged women from Vanier and thought, not really much of a risk. But as I said, transit has become a major issue in Ottawa, and our group is starting to become fairly well-known for what we're doing. So anyways, we set up a founding meeting in April. We actually booked it at City Hall. We had well over 100 people come, and we talked about our mandate and codes and things like that, and we had elections. I can't remember how many people stood for election. It was 12 or 13, and nine people were elected to the board. And so we sort of run with that. We have a number of campaigns running. We've had a number of meetings where you don't have to be on the board, but anybody can come and they can say, listen, you guys talk about this issue, but this transit issue is my baby. I really want to talk about it and we'll support them in transit campaigns. We're a member-based group, so people pay a membership fee and we also want a grant from the Healthy Transportation Coalition to get the group going. We have social media, we have a website, we have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of those sorts of things. And we've done a lot of media. We've been talking to the media, again, not just about what the problems are in transit, but what we would like to see in the future, what we would like to see improved. Because I think it's really easy to just tell stories about the problems. Everybody's got a story to tell. The next question is, okay, so what do we do about it? And the issues that people talked about in the neighborhood forums... So the cuts to the bus service was one issue. Accessibility was a big one. What else did people talk about? The big issue is the frustration with, first of all, the unreliability of the buses. You never know if the bus is going to show up. And the sort of backup to that is if it's not going to show up, we need better communication. We have very, very poor communication. So you go out to the bus stop expecting your bus to show up and it doesn't show up. Maybe half an hour later, you might get a message saying, oh, your bus isn't showing up. Well, thanks. I've already figured that part out. If I had known earlier, I might be able to go elsewhere. We have quite a dense network of buses in Ottawa. I mean, most cities do that sort of thing. And so if we had appropriate communication, we could make alternative arrangements. So that is a short-term push that OC Transport needs to improve its communication because it might take a while to fix the reliability issues. When you come to accessibility, it's multiple things. Almost all of our buses and all of our trains are accessible, but some people also use paratranspo, and there are very, very specific problems with paratranspo, including things like how difficult it is to book things and how many limitations people have on how many trips they can take in a day, differences in levels of service. 
on New Year's Eve, people who rode regular buses could stay quite late and ride the buses, but paratranspo shut down at midnight. And the people who use paratranspo are really angry and really frustrated. And they feel that all this focus on regular transit and the LRT problems, for example, keeps putting paratranspo issues further down the list of priorities. And it's really important that their issues get taken care of, that the concerns that they're raising get considered a lot more seriously. Since the organization's been up and going, what has its regular activity looked like? We tend to have a board meeting pretty much every month. The City of Ottawa makes transit decisions through the Transit Commission. They have a transit commission that is part of City Hall. And they have meetings not quite once a month, but fairly frequently. And we've been going to those transit commission meetings. And any person can make a delegation. So you can put your name on a list. And you can go up and talk and you can ask a question. You can go up there and say, Mr. Manconi, he's the head of OC Transpo. I have a problem with this issue and I would like to know what the answer is. You can go up there and complain about something. You've got five minutes. So we've had representation at every Transit Commission meeting since our group was founded. And we tend to go in with a strategy. So, for example, if we're talking specifically about online booking for paraparity, we wear paraparity T-shirts. And we all have speaking notes so that we're speaking very much the same argument. And we go up and we make delegations and we talk to the media about it. So we have managed to push a few things forward, although I'm sure that everybody listening to this who uses paratransfer will say it's not good enough. But that's one of the campaigns we've been working on. We did, in fact, win a battle over the fares. Transit fares were supposed to go up in January and we fought very hard. We had a campaign called the Fight for Fair Fares. And again, we wrote op-eds, we went to the Transit Commission, we were very active on social media, we were very active with the media, and they did agree to put a hold on the increase in fares until the spring. So that campaign will be launching again because transit is still very poor in the city and we don't think they should be raising fares again. So that has been one of our successes. We've recently had a couple of what we call these campaign meetings where we open it up just to the public, anybody who wants to sign up, and we delegate people to be the point person on a particular campaign. So somebody might say, for example, I really want to fight for affordability in transit, and the people who are interested in that issue can sit down and draft up a campaign. Another campaign we have going, again, this has to do with information because we're frustrated at the lack of information, is we have a bus app coming up in March. And that came out of one of our campaign meetings where people were brainstorming, what could we do to get better information from OC Transpo? And the decision was made to create an app where riders themselves could provide information and then we would report on it. Let's go into a bit more detail about the problems with the LRT. What's going wrong and how is it impacting people? As I said, it's an east-west line. It's 13 stops. When the train runs, it's lovely. It's beautiful. It's fast. It's clean. It's accessible. The new transit stations are quite pretty. However, it has been incredibly fragile. We have heard rumors that it wasn't adequately tested and that it was pushed forward for political reasons. In the summer, when they said they were testing the trains, they told us they needed 12 days of perfect service before they would allow the train to launch. We have since discovered that they never got a full day of perfect service, never mind 12 in a row. The trains don't seem to handle snow very well or rain or ice. The doors keep sticking. The trains keep breaking down. We also don't actually know how many trains they have available to run. We supposedly bought 17 trains. When they launched, they only had 15 ready. We know that two of them crashed a few weeks ago. We don't know if those trains are back in service. The argument recently has been exactly how many trains are running. For a while, only eight or nine trains were running, and that wasn't enough to handle the capacity. 
So it's been incredibly frustrating because, as I said, previously we had a real network of buses and you could get around the city quite easily. The changes in the bus routes means that everything is concentrated on the train. So if the train were working really well, it's still an extra transfer. But what happens is that every time the train breaks down, they have to put replacement buses on. And the estimates for how much that is costing will make your hair curl. It's shocking. They were really hoping this train would save us some money and allow us actually to reorganize our buses, to have more buses on bus routes and help with the reliability issues. And that's not what's happening. The other thing that's also happened is that buses that used to run, say, every 15 minutes have now been extended to run every 30 minutes. So that means that people are already waiting a long, long time for their bus. And then, of course, they get canceled a lot. And just to make it clear for folks who don't live in cities that have an LRT system, those problems aren't inherent to LRT as a form of transit, right? No, I mean, I'm from Vancouver. I remember when the SkyTrain came out. The SkyTrain's fabulous. I've lived in other cities with metros and with light rail trains and all kinds of systems like that. This train, it seems a bit cheap, to be perfectly honest. I'm a little bit afraid that Ottawa bought a cheap version instead of the really good quality one. What sort of campaign work have the Ottawa Transit Riders been doing around the LRT issue? We really can't do much about the LRT. The LRT does have to be fixed in some way. And I am a diehard optimist. I'm hoping the LRT will be fixed. In the meantime, the things that we're fighting for is they need to communicate better with us. They're really terrible at communicating. As I said, if we know what's happening, either with a train or with a bus, most of us can make alternative arrangements. We can walk across the street and take a different bus, a different route. So we're really pushing better communication. And we're also pushing that OC Transpo considers the whole transit system and not just the train. My husband describes our mayor as being very pro-train and not so much pro-transit. He loves the train. It's really shiny. It's beautiful. It's lovely. But most people who ride transit don't care whether they're on a bus or a train. They just want to get from point A to point B in a reliable way. And so our group has been arguing that they need to look much more carefully at the bus network. They need maybe to buy some more buses, need to hire some more drivers. They need to look at the reliability issues. And we need to be talking about a whole transit system, not just how do we fix the LRT, which, as I said, is a pretty short route. It's 13 stops. It does not run from one side of the city to the other. It's not that long yet. We have a phase two coming in in a few years, but we've got to be talking about a whole transit system, not just this one little section. Now that the group's established a bit of a track record, how has the response that you've been getting from politicians and officials shifted? I think what's really notable is that the people who have the most power, and this is the mayor and the chair of the Transit Commission and several high-level people at OC Transpo, really have gotten very, very defensive. They've really battened up the hatches and they are not engaging with us very well. Our group is organizing a transit challenge next week. And what we have asked is for all city councillors and several key officials to ride transit for one week for everything. Take your kids to daycare, go shopping, go to your medical appointments, go to work, everything by transit. We don't think anybody's going to do 100% because they have designed their lives around cars, no doubt. And a lot of them say that they live in areas where transit is just not good enough to do that. But it's a really good PR exercise and it's a really good way of getting people out on the bus and actually seeing what the experience is like. The mayor has refused to do the challenge. The person he appointed to be the chair of the transit commission of all our councillors is probably the most anti-transit person at City Hall, and he's the chair of the transit commission. And I think when you make those decisions, when you put somebody like that in a position of power, you are signaling to everyone in this city that transit is not a priority for you and you don't really care about transit. 
And the chair of the Transit Commission has also refused to do our challenge. So I think until we have major changes at the top, either the people themselves having a change of heart or, I don't know, some change in personnel, I think it's going to be very difficult to get changes immediately in Ottawa. We're taking very much a long-term haul. We've got another election in two and a half years, and we plan on being very active in that. And we're thinking transit is a long-term commitment. Has the group had the opportunity yet to build a relationship with the drivers and their union? We would really like to do that. That's very high on our list of priorities. We have spoken to a few union people informally, and they have said that they are interested in working with us. I really, really do think that's a really important thing. And for 2020, that's not exactly a New Year's resolution, but certainly something that I want to do, but we haven't done it yet. So when you're engaging with people at your workplace or at events or on social media, how do you stake out a position that, on the one hand, acknowledges the disaster that LRT has been in Ottawa and the frustrations that a lot of people must be feeling, while on the other hand being resolutely and intensely pro-transit? Oh, What I say is that transit is absolutely the backbone of a successful city. You need transit to get around in a city like this. We cannot give up on transit and have everybody driving. Even if somebody never uses transit, would never step on a bus, they still have an interest in really good transit because the next time they're stuck in traffic and they look around and they think, gee, if 10% of these other people would use transit, my commute would be a lot better. People are really complaining these days about how terrible the commute is when they're driving. And I think, yeah, what if some of those people started using transit? We absolutely cannot give up on transit. It's an essential service in this city. And it's really frustrating that there's been this sort of long spiral of decline. I wish we'd caught it earlier. I mean, I think in hindsight, you can see where they started defunding things and making changes. And I wish we had fought a little bit earlier, a little bit sooner. What are the key priorities for the Ottawa Transit Riders in 2020? Key priorities are anything to do with accessibility. And we're talking not only dealing with paratranspo, which needs online booking and it needs greater capacity, more drivers, more buses, but also accessibility in the city itself. This is a really snowy city. We had snow a few days ago and they still haven't adequately cleared the sidewalk. People who use mobility devices can't use regular buses if you don't clear the sidewalks. So we're pushing for sort of a really whole street kind of accessibility plan. Plow the sidewalks appropriately, clear the bus stops, use accessible transit, increase capacity of paratranspo. We're also talking about affordability. Ottawa has some of the most expensive transit in this country, which is really shocking considering how poor our service is. We would really like to talk about lowering the cost of the low-income passes. There's a couple of different passes that are made available for low-income people. They're very difficult to access. They're very difficult to understand the forms and things like that. And we would like those to be cheaper. We're definitely focusing on not raising fares because as part of a climate change strategy, we want people to use transit. Having fares go up even as the service goes down is just kind of an unbelievable strategy. Those are the big things. It's the accessibility and affordability of transit. And as I said, communication, improving communication, because it might take a while to fix the problems. And in the meantime, if we know what's going on, I think the frustration levels would certainly go down. You have been listening to my interview with Carrie Glines Elliott of the Ottawa Transit Riders. To learn more about their work, go to ottawatransitriders.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.